Yo, everybody. Hey, Ian, you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hey, yeah. Hey, this is uh, this is us. It's live TV or broadcast or whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, so this is college football uh, that we talk about here. It's uh, Hater Radio. Uh, my name is Chris McLean. This is Ian Gibson, my co-host. Um, what we do every week is we recap the games on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, and then on Wednesdays. We preview the games coming up for the this weekend. So with that being said, let's go ahead and do it. Uh, let's jump into the first game, which is, you know, years past, it has been a big game, but I think this is probably one of the biggest Florida-Kentucky games that I can remember. I mean, you know, Kentucky is undefeated and uh, Florida only has one loss and no losses in the SEC. So both teams have a lot to play for, and, um, you know, I, I'm i excited. You know, like, I it, I guess, you know, Ian is younger than me, but I take it for granted because uh, Kentucky was always seen as an afterthought. There were some close games throughout the years, but almost my uh, – I remember those layup games. <laughs> yeah, almost like my entire, like, fandom of a Gator fan – uh, was, you know, it was seen as basically an easy game. I mean, there were countless blowouts. I mean, there were games that were like 65 to 7 and like just, you know, not, not even close. But last five, six years, it's been a really close matchup. You know, uh, even the one when uh, McIlwain got fired was really close. That was like a I think it was like a last-second field goal or something they missed. Yeah, they missed the field goal, and they left um, the wide receiver open twice. Nobody covered him. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Had... So it was like Florida kind of lucked into that win, and they only won four wins that year. So, you know, it continued that streak up until when Dan Mullen took over, and then Dan got beat because um, he uh, had Felipe Franks in there. And you know what? Like, I – I don't want to give too much shit about Felipe Franks. Like he was serviceable, you know, did some things. Obviously was he's a very good athlete and a very like strong arm, but he just wasn't that much of a uh intuitive passer and you know, he never really was going to make it. Obviously, he hasn't made it in the NFL. You know, he switched to tight end for the Falcons, but um no, it just was, you know, that started that loss and then um Mullen ended up uh, winning the next two games in that series. And then um, uh, what is it? Uh, the last year of Mullen's tenure, he lost in Kentucky. or in flat out beat. Yeah. And they got flat out beat. I mean, they like, but you know, the funny thing is in that game, like the Kentucky did like, like I think their numbers as far as like total, total yardage was like very limited. It was like a punt or a field goal block return for a touchdown and some other things. And then, then you come into uh, the next year, last year where, uh, you know, a lot was building for Florida, you know, Anthony Richardson had beat Utah. Um, they were looking at a lot of momentum going forward and then they just laid a stinker against Kentucky and, you know, what was it? A pick six and then mm -hmm. another interception and, just he struggled immensely in that game. And it's like, what's crazy is about that is like, again, if Florida just had any kind of defense in that game, 
they probably win that game, but they had no defense. But I will counter this year is completely different. And, um, you know, just, I mean, they've gone from like the hundredth best defense to now the fifth best defense as of right now, which is, I mean, I, I was expecting better. I thought they were going to be like, you know, top 50, but I was definitely not expecting this turnaround. It, and it really speaks to Austin Armstrong, you know, the, the DC, he's done such a tremendous job with the team and it's just, they're light years away from where they used to be. And now that they are like functioning, it's lends itself to where it's like the offense. Yes. It's struggled, but it just, it doesn't even have to be necessarily a world beater. It just has to like put up enough points. Do good enough. Yeah. I mean, look at the Tennessee game. I know we didn't get a chance to talk about this on the show. Cause you haven't been on in a couple of times, but like, you know, in that game, like Florida was, dominant in that first half so so much so that the defense basically shut the door and it was like yeah i know tennessee got that one score in the fourth quarter but like really besides that the defense was like not giving them anything and they just i mean the the d-line the linebackers the linebackers man god that is that right there is the difference in the whole team is the linebackers like shamar james is a dude and uh, Scooby Williams is just, I mean, he 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 wasn't even playing last year, the last couple of years. And now he's really? like, he, I mean, he, I don't know if he's going to get in a, like a third team or second team all SEC, but there is a chance he could. I mean, and that, that is, that was totally unexpected out of anything coming into this year. And it's a complete surprise. And it's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful for this team now because it's like in the beginning of the year we were definitely thinking like what'd you say like three and nine or four and four four and eight i said five and seven five and seven and i think i said somewhere i think i probably said like seven and five maybe eight and four and that was reasonable because it was like you know the schedule looked difficult and there was definitely a lot of uh benchmarks that they needed to hit to be able to really like hit a ceiling but now it's like I don't see anyone on their schedule that I'm really afraid of, you know, like LSU, I don't know, at times looks very good, but then like they kind of struggled against Arkansas. Arkansas was probably the better team in most of that game. And then um, FSU, you know, struggled against BC. And then like uh, in that Clemson game in the second half, they uh, punted the ball or turned it over on downs five different times in the second half and only had a field goal. So they were lucky to be in that game. And then um, Georgia, I mean, Georgia has been okay. They haven't really played anyone. So, you know, wait until we see them against like Tennessee, but that's later in the year, I guess, I guess really the Florida game is really their only like competition coming up. Cause the rest of these games are kind of soft for them, but mm-hmm. I just, you know, going forward with this Florida team, there is so much more potential than I think anyone would have thought to begin the year. Now it's like if they put wins together, which they can, there's a potential of nine and three and then maybe even 10 and two. And it's like, I don't think anyone would have thought that coming into the year. I mean, some were hopeful, but I don't think it was like realistic. Um, But uh, definitely now it is something that 
is realistic. And I, I'm, I'm excited for the rest of this year. Cause you know, Graham Mertz, dude, he's been a, a revelation back there and he's been, you know, his completion percentage is through the roof and he's limited mistakes, only one interception so far. And that was off that bounce off Ricky's hands into a defender. So it's mm-hmm. like, like, honestly, he hasn't thrown many bad, you know, terrible passes and it's, it's been a difference maker this year. And I don't know. I, I like the way this team is operating. Eugene Wilson is back for this game. Um, I can see them putting up, you know, at least 25 points. And I think that's enough to beat Kentucky, but Ian, I've been talking a lot. What are your thoughts on this game? Let me want to hear some of your, uh, your takes on this. So I am mild. I'm overly cautious would be the best word to describe this. Cause I have, this game has really seems more like a trap game for a lot of people because I think there's still the stigma that, oh, it's Kentucky, it's a basketball school, da-da-da. Kentucky has this ability to drag the Gators into the mud and make it this very old-school grind-out game. You don't really get blowouts in this rivalry anymore. It's always like who gets the ball last and who can commit the less turnovers, and it's really a defense does best. Um, which is good for Florida because now they actually have a defense to complement. With that being said, Kentucky still is no slouch this year. They've done very well. They had a great win against Vandy. Um, I know they started off shaking. The offense wasn't, you know, overly impressive so far. Um, but honestly, it's when I look at Kentucky, I, it's like I'm looking in a mirror between Kentucky and Florida. Both, you know, defenses very, you know, run oriented making sure they stop the run limit the pass pretty much saying beat beat us to the air with same with the offense run heavy um weary um i know actually i know he has more yards and touchdowns than mertz um so it's really he also, a, five, he also has five picks too though true yeah. um so it's really going to be a struggle to see who kind of comes out better looking in this it's really tough to say who's going to win this one. I, both teams have looked very good, but there's also been times like I was at the Florida Charlotte game last week and that was everything (laughs) I was afraid it would be. Cause I knew I heard practice was terrible all week. And I was like, I was like, they are sleeping in this game. That's exactly what they look great. The first drive. And then that was it. Um, I will, I will say the last couple of days, I have seen Billy Napier say they have practiced well. So that like, yes, last week was obviously bad because all week they said that they were practicing bad. Even I believe um, uh, somebody, I think it was either Tyreek Sapp or Princely was uh, pissed at their effort. And they like, it was mentioned somewhere on Twitter about it. And I, it's, you know, those games where you're playing an inferior opponent and you know you're going to win are, uh, you know, it's it's hard to get up for those guys because it's like you just were playing a rivalry game against Tennessee, you know, uh, a ranked opponent um, at home. The atmosphere was crazy. It was, you know, the game of the day, not the game of the day because the, the Colorado, Colorado State game was, but the it was like the... Uh, the focus game on ESPN, you know, uh, Kirk Herbstreet was announcing and uh, Chris um, God, Ballard. 
Chris Fowler was there. So it was like, obviously a lot was on that game and it was great. But then when you come into the next week and it's like, oh, we got Charlotte, we know we're going to win. There's not as much effort, you know. I think largely the game, though, was um, a lack of uh, attention to detail as far as the the third downs and not converting those. And, Especially you know, in the red zone. Yeah. That was like, the most can, agonizing thing. Yeah, it really is. It's like it's frustrating when it's like, oh, you're moving the ball, but then it's like you stall like 10 yards out or 15 yards out when it's like you know you should be scoring, especially against a team like that who had given up a ton of yardage to other teams the last few weeks. And it's like, oh, we should be scoring a ton. And it's like, you know, if you turn two two or three of those field goals into touchdowns, that's like, uh, what is that, an additional? Um, I know I said they left 24 points on the board when I left the Swamp last week. Yeah, I mean, it, it was minimum is at least 12 because if three of those field goals are turned into touchdowns, that's that's 12 points right there. So that's uh, 34 to seven. Like anyone cares if they won 34 to seven. No one would have been up in arms. It'd have been like, oh, whatever, we beat them. You know, it could have been worse, but whatever. I don't know. It's, and I'm not trying to make excuses for this team because I'm trying to keep it real as always like what we do here. But it just, looking at it objectively, you know, I think this team is still capable of playing against better teams. You know, Charlotte was obviously not one of them and they kind of slept, walked through it. And it's like, you know what, at the same time, it's over. It like, it doesn't even matter. Like the game's over, like going forward, you have to uh, focus, they have to focus on what is in front of them. And, you know, as much as that was a bad performance, like in the long run, it doesn't even really matter because no one's going to even really even think about it. Once you start, if you potentially beat uh, SEC opponents, if they beat Kentucky, if they beat Vanderbilt, if they beat South Carolina, then it's like a completely different story. And we're like, oh, who even gave a shit about Charlotte? You know, um, you know, I will say the thing that uh, I will counter with the Kentucky stuff is the their lack of opponent strength may be leading misleading to why their numbers are the way they are. You know, they've played uh, a lot of terrible teams. And then the only conference team they played was Vanderbilt. And yes, they demolished Vanderbilt in Nashville, but I don't think this Vanderbilt team is the same Vanderbilt team as last year where Vanderbilt won two conference games. You know, they beat Kentucky last year um, and they beat Florida, but the, I, I don't know this Vanderbilt team barely beat Hawaii. And then they also struggled in the rest of their other games. I just don't think they were really a good arbinger or uh, I, uh, I'm i not using the right word. Um, the right oh, like measurement, measuring stick for Kentucky to see if they really, truly measure up. Yeah, they're undefeated and it's great, you know, 4-0. But, you know, they've started a lot of years the last couple of years where they get three or four wins before they play Florida. And then they've turned out to be a terrible team. So it's like, you know, I it is misleading in some ways to see this like, oh, yeah, they've they've looked great against bad opponents. But, you know, Florida's played Tennessee and Utah and went one and one. Um, you know, I obviously now, though, it doesn't matter because it's like going into conference play. You'll see how these teams really are. So, like, you know, there's no hiding it now. It's like everything's going to be out in the open. 
and which is great because um, this is a good first test for Florida on the road, which, you know, is going to be difficult because they obviously struggled at Utah. Um, like I said, they get Trey Wilson back. They get Kingsley back. Um, they're a, the, the guys that were suspended on the line. Uh, uh, God, what's the Baylor transfer? Um, Mazuka, Mazuka mm-hmm. comes back. And then, um, I think the other guy, uh, I think it's George, the other starter is back. So all those guys are back on the line. Um, Trevor Etienne didn't have a big, uh, workload last week, so he's ready to go. I honestly feel, I feel Florida should win this game by two scores. I really do. And I may be wrong. I honestly could be wrong, but I think the offense gets going enough that, um, the defense, no matter what. And I think that's the key really in this game is that Florida's defense is going to smother them. And I think they're going to like keep them to like 17 points. So I'm thinking like my score is going to be like um, probably like 31-17. That's what I'm going with. What do you got, Ian? So in making my decision, because like I said, they're very even, knowing Florida, especially under Napier, the offense runs as well as the run game complements it. The re- And I said that that goes with Mertz. Mertz has looked much better, but I did also say, especially against Tennessee, when you have the run game complementing it, it made it a lot easier for Mertz. And yeah. that is because Tennessee's rush defense was ranked 40. I think it's at the time it's in 42 in the nation. Now going back, you know, to the extreme Utah is the number three rushing defense in the country. And they pretty much said, beat us through the air and Florida. Yeah. I'm sorry right now. Can't do that. They cannot win a game running through the air. Now looking at that, Kentucky has the ninth-ranked rushing defense in the country. So they're pretty much going to be saying the same thing to ETN and Johnson and Webb. Beat us through the air. Well, I will counter that because Utah, their rank actually is representative of a more uh, a much stronger uh, schedule. Utah played Florida, uh, UCLA, and Baylor, where it's like, you know, Kentucky hasn't even come close to anything like that. And so, yeah, you know, they've done well against terrible teams, Ian. But I will say that that's that's what you have to remember. It's like, okay, yes, Utah did that. And I think think now, because of, you know, even in that first drive with uh, Eugene Wilson against uh, Tennessee – it's obvious that Florida wants to use him a ton. And I think they were working that into uh, their repertoire. And um, they obviously, uh, it struggled. Um, they struggled to get him involved after he was hurt. So that hampered their ability to do what they wanted to the rest of the game, even though they still did quite well. Going into the Charlotte game, they didn't have any of that either because Eugene was out again. Um, I think with Eugene being in, being able to do all those uh, motions and uh, different things that set up different rushing lanes for them, it'll change what happens. But uh, let's hear your score prediction and let's move on real quick because we've been talking about this a lot. Yeah, um, I'm going to do a prove me wrong. 20 to 14, Kentucky. 20 to 14? Prove me wrong, Florida. 
All right, we'll see. Okay, um, I'm going to pull a swerve here because I have USF listed, but I'm going to go with the USC Colorado game because I want to hear your thoughts on this game. Um, so you go first, and then I'll tell you. I'll tell my thoughts after after you go. Yeah, that. Oh man, last Saturday was seriously the. That was the wake up call um, yeah. for uh, Colorado, and unfortunately, it gets a lot. It's going to get a lot harder going oh, yeah. from there. Um, SC just flat out has one of the best offenses in the country and really nothing phases them. That is the one yeah. thing that I find so impressive with USC and really Lincoln Riley's offense since he was at Oklahoma. No matter what is thrown at them, you don't really see them rattle. You don't see them shaken. The only time I've ever seen an Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley offense rattled was when it was, I believe, 2018 or 19 playoff against Bama. Um, yeah, and they got they lost like 38 14, but I mean, yeah. that's one of the best like defenses in the ever. Yeah. But you know, early mistakes, early tumbles, they keep the pace and keep it going. That's USC, I think, is just gonna roll over Colorado. I don't think Colorado is like dead in the water, shall we say. I think uh, the coaching really does a good job of building the players up, so I think they're gonna, you know, play better. But it just comes down to USC just has the better talent, has the you know better coaching right now, and they know how to win these games. I think Colorado is definitely looking to you know prove people wrong, but SC's just flat out knows how to win these games. So I'm going to go 41-20 uh, SC. Yeah, and I, I think what had happened last week for USC was their defense um... – they had when going up against Arizona State. Arizona State pulled like every trick out of their bag, like fourth down plays, uh, you know, uh, special teams plays, uh, you know, th throwback passes to quarterbacks, all kinds of stuff. You know, onside kicks, literally anything you can imagine. They, they literally threw the kitchen sink, which I don't yeah, blame really them. I mean, I respect it, that. You're playing a, you're overmatched. You got to try everything. No, I know. And I, I am glad they did it because it made the game closer. If they hadn't, they probably would have only scored like 10 or 14 points, but you know, they, they really took it to them and had a chance to be in that game even late into it. But I mean, the talent of USC is remarkable because like even Caleb Williams didn't have his best game uh, that he's had all year. And he still threw for like over 300 yards and like four TDs. And that's just how good he is that a somewhat okay game is like a dominant game from like any other quarterback. So yeah, I like them big in this and I'm, you know, I think we've gotten to the point now where the hype has kind of died down from Colorado. So I'm not going to like, you know, kick a, a dog while it's down. Cause it's like, What's the point? Like, you know, they have already gotten their ass whooping last week. Oh, darn it. I shouldn't have said that. I'm trying to limit the cuss words. I'm going to have to go back through this and edit it out because uh, I'm trying to do some ads on Google and uh, uh, and it, it won't allow it if there's cussing. So I'll have to go back and edit that out uh, regardless. So um, they've had their butt whooping and now um, they... Uh, uh, you know, it's like you said, the schedule is going to be really tough. I don't envision them winning many more games the rest of this year because they're playing USC, they're playing Utah, they're playing UCLA. 
I mean, it's going to get uh, like Washington, Oregon State, Oregon State. Yeah, all these teams are way better teams. Like I know Colorado has talent in certain spots, but they're not better teams. And that's what like I just kept trying to tell people when they were like talking about Colorado. I'm like, I understand there is talent there. And like Dion has got a lot of juice right now for this team. But it's like going forward, this schedule is like really tough all these teams are really good they're playing and they're like solid teams where it's like everyone like like their whole lineup are strong like their defense their offensive line all these teams are like really good coach teams and you know Colorado is nowhere near that level yet and I I don't know it's a good story because it obviously has brought a lot of attention to college football there's a lot of casual fans that have been paying attention and I welcome them. I want that. I want more college football fans. That is not a bad thing. I just think the unrealistic expectation of this team is what kind of annoyed me. And, you know, the media attention, which the media does that with everything that uh, they uh, is new to them. They blow out. They blow it out of proportion and they just run with it until, you know, they either get a bunch of losses or they whatever. I don't know. So I'm going to go with my prediction and I'm going to say like, I'm going to say like 45 to like maybe 10. I think that I think USC's defense comes back in this one because I don't think uh, Dion is going to run a bunch of trick plays like Arizona state. I think he's going to just try to put his guys out there and like, see if he can compete. But I really don't think they compete with this team. Okay. Moving on. It is wear green Wednesday. I got my green on. Ian does not, but Ian's got his USF shirt. I got the old bowl. You got to get it. You got to get a green shirt. Come on. I do. I have it. It's just at my old place. (laughs) I know. I'm actually, I'm, I'm been looking at uh, buying some more uh, green shirts just so that I can have different ones to wear for on Wednesdays. But uh, shoot, I just uh, realized my USF jersey is white too. Yeah, it is. I remember you, you, you showed me a picture of that. So, um, dude. How like, how different is the like um, the trajectory or like where USF is going from like two weeks ago before the Alabama game and now where it's at and like I've seen so many people list like USF as one of the like higher end teams in the AAC. I've seen like you know Byron Brown get uh, AAC Player of the Week. I've seen um, Simmons, the wide receiver, get like all kinds of love from like everybody. Like this, this turnaround, you know, and the offense is ridiculously good. And I, that's what is exciting because it's like, man, this offense can freaking score. And it's like instant score too. It's not like you have to methodically get down the field. No, they're going to score in like two plays and you got to figure out how to stop them. And Byron Brown, man. If he hasn't solidified himself over Gary uh, Ohanan, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like I, I like Gary and I appreciate what he he's done for the school, but I mean Byram, you have to keep going with Byram at this point. He's mm-hmm. just, he's just too good. Like he's too good, and the team's doing too well. And like, you know, there is, I mean, literally, they have a loss to Alabama and then a loss against Western Kentucky, where they were in the game basically to the very end, and it's like. This team could potentially beat all the uh, the all the teams on their schedule the rest of the year. Like I don't, uh, none of them, 
none of the teams really scare me. I mean, UTSA without Harris, you know, definitely doesn't scare me. With Harris, that's a different question, but I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if he's coming back or not. But, Ian, I want to hear your thoughts on this team. Yeah, so for all intents and purposes, I enrolled at USF in the spring of 2021. That was the last – so coming off the 2021 season, that was the last time they beat an FBS team, which was Temple. I am now a junior at USF, and they have and they beat Rice in an, also a conference game. So yeah. it, t- it took a, it took a little bit, but man, that well, first of all, that game was very hairy from the beginning. But credit to USF for you know just taking advantage of the situation. I'm, obviously, JT Daniels being out did have a huge yeah um, play on what happened. But I will say they just stuck with it. They never uh, were out of it, it seemed. It, you know, they scored first, no matter – they were always in the game. And like we say, if you can hang in there, that's all you need. And then once the fourth quarter started, they just ran away with it. That's where you kind of see that hurry-up uh, offense take effect on the defense, where Rice yeah. was just yeah. too exhausted to keep yeah. up. Um, oh, yeah. So – Obviously, you know, the trajectory is completely different now from the beginning of the year. I know we said, like, maybe three wins, and now they're at two. I know, you know, I will say bowl game is on the table, but, again, I'm going to be more cautious with the USF because it is a lot of young talent, first-year coach. But they have certainly at least played the part. Regardless of what happens this year, I am – it is a night and day difference between – you know, last last three years, four years of USF to now, they are competing, they are playing well, which we couldn't say before. They, you know, are scoring more than, like, field goals per game. Um, and just the fact that they beat Rice is impressive. Um, coming into this one with Navy, um, it's going to be, you know, obviously triple option. You're looking at a very different type of, you know, offense here not only that navy already knows the play by its done so they kind of run what usf does just on the ground they run that hurry up so it's going to be very important for the defense to adjust and react i was funny when i was looking up you know the whole thing with you know who how's the rushing um defense ranking usf is actually in the top 25 of rushing defenses and i think they're in the top 25 total defense too which i thought was surprising considering they have given up a lot of points. Um, so I think that's going to be pretty important coming into this one is how well the defense reacts to the triple option, especially on those hurry-up plays. And the biggest thing is to not make it third and manageable for Navy. If Navy can get to, like, they're going to use all their downs. But if Navy gets to, like, third and two, third and three, nine times out of ten, they're going to convert. It's going to be important for defense to get off the field. Um if they can make it third, six, seven, really force their hand, then it's really humming for the Bulls. The offense especially, too, um, Byron Brown, it, what definitely needs to happen is that the offensive line needs to be more stable, more structured, um, so he could just have more time in the pocket. Because a lot, especially against Rice in a couple games, there are times he's just is like, I got to make the play myself, yeah. which works. But it's only going to work for so long. Right. So. I think, you know, again, offensively speaking, um, USF, if they keep up with the high percentage passing plays, 
I, they keep trying for the big, you know, play down the field, which has hit a few times. But I think for the sake of, you know, sanity, they need to really dial that back. Unless it's like, you know, you've got them where you want them, like a setup player. Here's your, you know, chance play. I think, you know, high percentage plays, maybe, you know, more rollouts, make sure, you know, they can gain yards here for same thing with USF. If they can make it third and manageable, um, now you're cooking. I think, you know, always for prediction wise, I think it actually is going to be closer because Navy just keeps the ball away as long as possible. So it's important for USF's hurry up to be as effective as possible because they're not on the field for long. Um, so they're going to have to take advantage of it while they can. So I think it actually might be a bit low scoring, but I'm going to go tentatively USF. I'm going to go 24-17 uh, USF. I, I think it could be, I mean, I'm, you know, it's, it, it's always like people like try to like recapture certain things that have happened in past games and like recapture things of past glory of teams and whatnot. I hate doing that because it's like, yes, history does repeat itself, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, man. Like it's, if you're constantly like in this mold of like, Oh, a game like this happened seven, eight years ago. So it's going to happen again. I mean, like, I don't know, but I will say there's some similarities with this team and that team with Quentin flowers. And uh, you know, when um, Marlon Mack, yeah, Marlon Mack. And when um, Taggart was the coach and then, Charlie Strong took over. There was a game against Navy at Raymond James where USF jumped up to a huge lead. And then what happened was they went like score for score, like the rest of the game. And then Navy got back into it. And it was like, I think ended up being like a, like 35, 28 game and was very close at the end. And cause it was like USF couldn't stop Navy like in any way. And I don't know. I mean, the defense is a work in progress. I think there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. Uh, JT Daniels is not a bad quarterback. Um, he has talent. He's been at a lot of big programs, USC, Georgia, and he definitely um, has the arm talent. Pitt? No, he was oh, at no, West, West Virginia. Virginia. He went yeah. West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, Slovis went to Pitt. Yeah, um, but uh, no, he he has he had the ability and obviously was tearing up the the defense. And I will say, you have to take the the high ranking of the rushing uh, yardage with a grain of salt because the reason the rushing yardage is so low is because the teams are faring better against them through the air, so they're able to pass on them. So they're not even trying to run the ball because they know. It's not even worth it. They can attack them through the air and they're going to be able to get them that way. So like Rice only had a yard of rushing. So like that's one yard. I've never even seen that. That's ridiculous. But no, I I think that USF can win this game. And I think USF can win like a, probably like a 35-20 game. And I think the, you know, with the offense, I, I know you're talking about like maybe like you know, slow it down the offense a little bit, but I think they need to put the pedal to the metal. I think they need, they need to really like 
go after these teams and just try to throttle them. You know, like I know that, you know, there's going to be some games where it's going to be a lot closer and it's not going to be as easy to do some of these things that they want to do. But I think if they keep putting the pedal to the metal, um, it not only, you know, increases the odds of winning, but then it's also getting more fans involved and more fans like jumping on board. Cause it's like, Oh, exciting offense. This, this team is fun. Let's get on, like, let's get involved. And I think that's what we've needed. Cause like the last couple of years, you know, like there's been so many losses and so many bad, bad beats at the end. It's just been tough as a USF fan. So finally now this team is winning again, get their first FBS win in three years or whatever the hell. And like, God, I need to watch the language and uh, you know, whatever. And so now it's, you know, they've got a chance and it's like, it's, it's amazing. I'm loving it. I'm happy for every USF fan. Cause you know, we definitely deserve a winner and it's been a real struggle the last couple of years. All right. Moving into the rest of the games. Um, did it move? Why is it not going? There it is. Um, Utah, Oregon state is on Friday. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, but, I did. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of this game. I don't know when Cam Rising is coming back. You know, I thought he would have come back for the UCLA game because UCLA would have been a tough game and they would need him. But they were at home at Rice-Eccles Stadium, so maybe they felt they didn't need him. I honestly feel if they don't get him in this game, if they don't have him in this game, I don't think they're going to win. I like Oregon State a lot. They played very well against Washington State and Washington State won, but I still feel like Oregon State is one of the better teams in the Pac-12, like Utah is as well. But if they're having just Johnson as the quarterback, it's going to be a struggle. They can't really get in a good uh, offensive flow with no passing attack, you know, and, you know, they, they got lucky last week where they kept – UCLA to seven points. I do not think that Oregon State is only going to score seven points, especially with Oregon State being at home. I like Utah to lose in this one. I'm going to say Oregon State wins like 24 to like 14. What do you got? Yeah, this was technically, I guess it would have been one of my upset picks, but you're, you hit the nail on the head is that I think Oregon State, especially because I think it was that uh, rising is splitting reps with Johnson right now. So they're still not clear on w- whether he's coming back. I think if rising comes back, Utah could potentially could definitely win this, but you're looking at Oregon state. They're a complete team right now. Um, Utah still has a offensively speaking, doesn't have it all there yet. They've been very middle of the pack pretty much um, not really putting up a whole uh, enough yards to win the uh, games They've really been relying on the defense uh, to win a lot of these games. Cause he, I, honestly that goes for all their games that they've won is that the offense looked pedestrian, but the defense stepped up. I don't think they, it's going to bail them out this time. Um, I'm going to go with the Beavers in this one. I'm going to go with a 28 to 14 win for Oregon state. Okay. Moving on. Georgia Auburn, man, that Auburn offense is terrible. I mean, they only had like, I don't know what their total yardage was last week against Texas A&M, but it was 
It wasn't good. Dreadful. It was dreadful. And considering that Miami put up like crazy amount of points and yardage against Texas A&M and Auburn couldn't have put up anything. I don't even think they scored a touchdown. I think they only had a field goal because I think they had 10 points. So uh, in their yeah. touchdown was a re- uh, fumble return for a touchdown, I believe. So um, I don't know. This Auburn team, I would have thought would have been better with Hugh Freeze. Maybe they're just a year away, which is potentially that. It just it's going to be a, a slugfest until they they get to where they're going to go. I like Georgia in this one. I'm going to say Georgia wins like probably I don't know 35 to like 10 or something like that. What do you got? I'm almost, I'm literally almost the same score. Georgia just flat out better. Uh, I I'm going to go with them 38 13 uh, Bulldogs. Yeah, there's not much to say on this one. It's sad because this used to be a really big rivalry and it's been very one-sided. And I wanted to do an article talking about that kind of changing, but I don't feel it would be – I think it's kind of moot right now because Auburn is not very good. But I will – I may put that up for the Florida game uh, for the cocktail party coming up. So let's see. Okay, uh, Kansas-Texas. Um, this is a really good matchup. I am enjoying this Kansas team. Daniels is a stud. You know, it's funny last year they talked about Kansas a lot. And I think Colorado is kind of like stolen their luster again. Cause like Colorado is the new shiny toy. And like Kansas mm-hmm. has been kind of like still winning, but no one really is paying attention to it. It's like, okay, you did it last year. Now no one cares, which is like weird considering that um, they were like, you know, they had uh, game day there in uh, for the Kansas games. And now they're like, no one even cares. It's like, it's like there's no media attention on them at all. And they're still doing it again. I don't get it. But hey, like I said, shiny new toy in Colorado. So in this game, you know, Quinn Ewers has to do well because Kansas is going to put up points. I think it's going to be a shootout. I'm going to say like, I don't know, probably like 34 to like 30. And I'm going to go with Texas just barely, but it's going to be a close one. What do you got? Yeah, I think it's going to be, although my score is going to be a bit bigger, I do think it's going to be pretty neck and neck throughout the game. One thing though is that Texas has the blueprint on how to handle these mobile quarterbacks. With with Milrow at Alabama, they put us, you know, put us by at the linebacker, and then you know pressed the wide receivers out into the corner to make him really, you know, throw the ball. Or if they if he had to run it, it wasn't going far. So I think they're yeah. going to apply the same pressure to uh, Daniels here, where he's going to have to really make the throw or try to, you know, beat the linebacker with his legs. I just don't see Kansas doing that. I think they can get some, you know. Some through Texas's defense, but not all of it. And yeah. I think Texas really offensively they need to do just enough. I do think you know it'll be kind of a typical Big Twelve game, but I think Texas pulls out this one. I'm going to go 31-23 uh, Longhorns. You know I, the difference between Milrow and Daniels is I just think Daniels is a way way better passer than where Milrow is at right now. And like Milrow is is gotten better you know he obviously played very well against Ole Miss but I still like Daniels 
better right now because he had a solid year last year and he's been more of a starter. So I think because he has that more experience, it's, you know, it's given him more confidence and he's been pretty strong. I mean, they already built, they already beat Illinois. They beat, um, uh, some, uh, there's another decent team that they played recently. And so they've done well so far this year. I think this game is going to be an exciting game. Probably. What was your score again? Uh, 31, 23. Yeah. I think it's going to be probably one of the, the better games of the day, probably even the best game of the day. Okay. Real quick. Let's do Baylor UCF. Uh, I don't like Baylor. I, I think they've been quite bad all year. They struggled against Texas mightily. Um, they were close against Utah, and then they lost to Texas State. So one and three, it doesn't really look good for them for the rest of the year. I think UCF wins this one pretty handily and gets their first uh, Big 12 conference win. Um, I'm going to say UCF wins like, I'm going to say like 32 to like 20. What do you got? Yeah, I think UCF might run it up here. That defensive Baylor has not been impressive at all against these elite offenses. And not saying UCF is, but I know they're averaging over 500 yards a game. So yeah. I'm going to go uh, UCF winning this one 40 to 14. And they get oh. their true welcome to the Big 12. Blowout. Okay, uh, LSU Ole Miss. I want to hear your thoughts first. Yeah, <laughs> It's funny going into this, it was kind of expected that this would be, you know, the primetime matchup, uh, which it technically is, but it's like the headliner uh, going it from last week. But, you know, LSU and Ole Miss both have shown their struggles, both have elite offenses, but defenses have left a lot to be desired. Um, I think, though, you know, LSU skating by you know, against Arkansas. And, you know, I still can't really forget that, you know, loss to Florida State. And then Ole Miss, you know, really getting handled by Bama. I think, though, LSU does have the better talent on defense. So I think that will be the difference. I think LSU is going to win this one. I think it'll be close and it probably goes into a shootout. But I'm going to go with a 35 to 31 win from the Tigers. You know, I've just been – I don't know what it is about Lane Kiffin right now. I'm kind of like – I don't know. I, I I like Jackson Dart, but this offense has struggled, and they only put up 10 points last week. And I know Alabama's defense is good. I'm not going to deny that. They Obviously, Alabama's defense, you know, shut down USF's offense, which is about the only team that shut them down this year. And, um, you know, I don't know. I just don't know what it is. I, I don't know if, if like Lane is not motivated anymore. I don't know if he just doesn't care. Like, you know, it, Ole Miss is a, uh, a quality job. It is, you know, they have a good fan base, but they're limited as far as the talent that you can get there because there's not a ton of, NFL talent coming from the state of Mississippi. There are some good players and there's obviously right next door at uh, Louisiana is helpful, but it's like, I don't know. It seems like he's kind of reached his ceiling here at Ole Miss. 
And I think he wants to leave. And, you know, they obviously thought he was going to leave and go to Auburn last year, which would have been probably a good move because Auburn has more resources and, you know, better recruiting level. And they probably would have done a lot better. But I don't know. It seems like he's just kind of there now. And it's a shame because I, I, I enjoy his innovativeness and his offensive prowess, but it seems like it's been kind of, I don't know, last, last year was kind of a letdown. They started seven, eight, no. And then they finished like with a bunch of losses. And then this year they've already got a loss to Alabama and like they lose this game. I mean, where's the season go from here? Like how motivated is he going to be the rest of the year? Like, Oh, I can get to 10 and two and get to a sugar bowl, but that's it. That's our ceiling. You know, if, if he's ever going to do it at Ole Miss, he's got to start now and he's got to win this year and he has a chance. Cause it's like, yes, losing to Alabama sucks, but they still have an opportunity to get back into the SEC West game. It's not completely over yet, but a loss to LSU almost assures that. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say LSU wins this, and I'm going to say probably a close game. I'm going to say like 28 to 28 to 20. Okay, next one, uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma. I only put this one on here because there's not a ton of games this week, like last week, so I just wanted something else added. Um, I I don't think Iowa State is very good this year, and they really haven't, like, I haven't seen any of their performances because it's been not anything that I've wanted to pay attention to. So how about a 10, seven loss? to Ohio. <laughs> well, there you go. Exactly. They're, they're that much of a struggle bus that they lost to Ohio. Um, At Ohio I'm, state, Ohio Bobcats. Yeah. Oh, well, I know it wasn't even state. It was uh, the Bobcats. Uh, I'm going to say Oklahoma wins this one. I'm going to say they win like uh, 45 to like 10. What do you got? Um, I'm going to go with same thing. Iowa State has at least shown that they can, you know, handle these offenses. I've always said they're a Big Ten team in disguise in the Big 12 with their defense. Yeah. But Oklahoma, they know how to win these games, and they've got the firepower to do it. I'm going to go uh, – I'll go 38-3. to I also wanted to say, too, do you know how annoying it is when I have – when I'm telling people about a team playing Ohio, and they're like, oh, wow, that – you know, like USF is playing Ohio State. And I'm like, no, 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 Ohio Bobcats. <laughs> yes, I know. It is it is sad that a lot of people don't know that school, and I would feel bad for anyone that goes to that school because it's like, oh, man, I'd like how do you stand out from Ohio State? And It could be worse. Know, uh, yeah, I actually it could be their rival who goes, yeah, I go to the University of Miami, Ohio, Ohio. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. OK, so, um, moving on. Uh, next game, Notre Dame Duke. This is a huge game. You know, Notre Dame. God, what a what a loss. Punch. Just, just the took the air out of their season. But again, it's not the end of the world because one loss does not eliminate your playoff hopes, especially if you're a team like. Notre Dame. You have plenty of uh, 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 attempts or uh, opponents here left that can give you the chance to elevate yourself back into playoff contention, which I think they will if they continue to, to win. Um, Duke is a very solid opponent. Their quarterback, Riley, is, you know, projected to be a top pick 
uh, next year, but maybe first round um, for the top quarterback. So, and there's some other players on their team that are strong. You know, uh, their coach is being talked about for a lot of big positions across the country. So this is a game that Notre Dame has to win. They cannot lose this game if they have any hopes for the playoff. I think they can win this game. I think Hartman comes back in this game. You know, I don't love Duke's defense. Clemson was able to move the ball on them. They just made a couple of mistakes there that really uh, ruined their chances at beating them earlier in the year in that first game of the year. Uh, I think Hartman and Estime get back on track. I think they win this game like 31 to like, uh, let's say, 22 what do you got yeah i'm almost the same i think you know statistically both have looked good and i think uh, elko has done a great job at duke so far for the yeah. second season um but i i just think you know play calling wise they do seem very similar but then it just comes down to who has the better talent and that's notre dame oh yeah um, yeah so i'm gonna go with the irish in this one and i'm, I'm gonna go almost exactly same i'm gonna go 35 20 uh, Irish. Okay. Alabama, Mississippi state. I only put this one on cause it's like, it's, it is a conference game and like, you never know with Mississippi state, but I think like I saw something where like Mississippi state has lost like a crazy mountain row to Alabama. It's like, I think like one of the largest win streaks against another sec opponent, uh, currently, and, I'm trying um, to think of the last time they did because I don't think it's been a long while. I don't know if Saban's even lost to Mississippi State, which is definitely potentially possible. So I'm going to go with Alabama wins. I'd say it's going to be uh, like a 28 to like 17 game. What do you got? Um, I'm going to go with. Uh... Bama in this one again, Mississippi State, they just don't have it right now, and they've definitely been dysfunctional um so far this year. So I'm gonna go Bama. Um I'll go with the yeah, let's go 30 to 7. I know I just remembered Saban has lost to Mississippi State. That was the last time Mississippi State beat them. That was his first year. Oh, his first year? Yeah, so that would have been 07. Yeah. I can't believe I remember that. 16 years ago. Okay, uh, South Carolina, Tennessee. Um, this is a huge game for both these teams because South Carolina only has one SEC loss and Tennessee only has one SEC loss. So this game is basically an eliminator. Like whoever loses this game is completely out of the SEC East. It's in Neyland Stadium. I like Tennessee in this game. I think Tennessee moves the ball well enough because I don't like South Carolina's defense. I really don't. I, I've been. I've thought they've been suspect all year, and you know their their special teams is amazing, and that will maybe make some plays to keep them in the game. Spencer Rattler has done well so far this year, but I don't know if it's enough against Tennessee because they're not going to be able to score enough. They did score a ton last year, but there was like, I don't know, Hendon Hooker went out, and a lot of things went uh, South Carolina's way in that game, so. Um, I think Tennessee puts it on them. I'm, I'm thinking like 35 to like, I don't know, 24. What do you got? 
Yeah, I, for me, the biggest disadvantage for South Carolina is that their offensive line has still not been very impressive. It's yeah. been progressing, but it hasn't been improving. Um, they did get the win against Mississippi State last week. That was big. Um, but again, that was a close one. And a lot of that was just Spencer Rattler being a great athlete and being a good quarterback. Um, this one is going to be completely different because, again, Tennessee um, passing-wise has done very good um, defensively. Um, now, Craig, they're going to bring up the Florida game, but Florida just had a game plan you know, built to break them. Yeah. For South Carolina um, – offense who has struggled mightily against you know defenses honestly thought tennessee's defense was better than north carolina's and they didn't look good georgia you know georgia was honestly sleeping in that game so this one i think just tennessee's gonna has the better overall team so i'm gonna go a 38 to 14 win for the volunteers okay last game washington arizona only reason I put this on there because Arizona is not very good uh, is because of Michael Penix Jr. I just want to talk about him a little bit. Uh, we, we've been talking about him even since back at Indiana. I know me and you've we've talked about we've always talked about this kid. So it really is remarkable that he doesn't get the media attention that he deserves. And he should be like right now, like his profile should be through the roof. But because he's in Washington it's a West Coast team. He plays later games. I mean, his game on Saturday night was on at like, you know, 10 o'clock Eastern or something. It was late because even for me, by the time it got over, I think I like was in bed by the time that game finished up. So it's obviously, you know, a struggle to get him the attention that he deserves. I'm waiting for these bigger matchups because the bigger matchups will – definitely show what he's all about and what he's worth or will show his worth. So this is just going to be another game where he flourishes. And I'm going to say he puts up like five TDs and like 400 yards. I'm going to say like Washington wins 49 to 20. What do you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Um, Arizona's defense especially has been very suspect. So I think, Panic's just this ultimate weapon is going to have a field day. I'm going to go Huskies 42 to 19. Maybe they get a okay. lot of field goals. Last thing before we go, what are your Heisman uh, teams right now? Heisman favorites or playoff teams? God, I mixed that up. Heisman favorites. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, so right now my Heisman, Heisman favorites, um, I've got, you know, Right now leading, this isn't in a particular order, but right now if I had to pick, Michael Penix Jr., Caleb Williams. I did put Jordan Travis on there and Sam Hartman, and I'm still going to, you know, give benefit to um, uh, Blake Corum. No, I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with those, but definitely Caleb and Michael Penix right now are one and two. And then I would also say that Bo Nix should be up there and probably Quinn Ewers is right behind them. Um, I, I don't have Jordan Travis on there because I, I don't know. I mean, like in that second half, they, they only had a field goal and it was like, you know, with the game on the line, he did like nothing really, you know, I mean, he obviously scored in overtime, but like, 
throughout that second half, he did nothing to really try to win that game. And they only really, you know, I don't know. They, they didn't deserve to win that game. They really didn't. Clemson was the better team. And, uh, but I, again, they're not going to have that much of a tough competition the rest of the year. They play Duke, they play Wake Forest, they play Miami and they play Florida. The rest of their teams are pretty easy that they play. So, um, you know, I we'll see it in those games, those four games. If he can do something there, maybe I'll give him some more credence, but I definitely don't have him in my top five. He's not a sleeper. He's not anywhere near it. Um, Blake Corum, I'd have to see more of him because, again, they're playing against terrible teams, and uh, we'll have to see more of that. Um, as far as anyone else, like really standouts, um, I'm not really seeing anyone else that's like, crazy good as far as the ones that we listed uh cam ward i'm surprised you didn't mention him but cam ward has looked really good he oh was, yeah he was like 15 of 16 for like 256 yards at one point in that game against oregon state which oregon state is obviously a really good team and it's like man that was the kid was all over them he was just yeah. dominant in that game and he's someone that if he continues has a shot it's going to be harder because you know, Washington State has such a low profile, and they're a West Coast team too. Okay, pl uh, playoff teams. I want to hear your your top four, and then your uh, top two out, and then uh, and we'll go on. Yeah, That's right now four. my top four. There's no movement. Um, I still have you know Georgia at one, uh, Ohio State at two, Michigan right now is at three, and Texas is at four. My first two out are Florida State and USC. Yeah, I have. I have right now, I'm going to say I have probably probably Texas at one because I really like their victory at Alabama. I think, I think the biggest victory that anyone has right now is that Texas win. Like beating Alabama in, in Tuscaloosa is probably the biggest win that any top 10 team has outside of Ohio State. So I'm going to say probably Texas, then Ohio State, and then I'll say um, USC, and then probably Michigan. Then I'll probably have Florida State at five, and then uh, six I'll have Georgia. I just don't think Georgia is as good as the rest of these other teams. I think – you know, they got lucky the last couple of years where they got to play TCU in the championship game and that Michigan team in that playoff game where it's like now I don't think they're going to get that opportunity this year because they're going to have to actually play a tough team when it comes to both playoff games. Especially, Well, I just hope Michigan's not there. I don't want – I really don't want Michigan to get it again because they, they're just not a good team. And, like, I know they've beaten Big Ten teams, but just – it's like it's not enjoyable to watch. They're not really good. You know, they get smoked when they play real teams. And um, I know they've beaten Ohio State. So, yes, they've beaten Ohio State. But anytime they played a non conference, uh, strong, like a strong non conference team, they've looked bad. So, but, anyways, that's the show. I know I can go on and on talking crap about Big Ten teams. But uh, catch us at haterradio.com for all of our articles. Uh, for your socials, it is at hater underscore radio for Twitter X 
Threads, Instagram, um, TikTok. Uh, for YouTube, it is at Hater Radio. And for Facebook, it is Hater Radio CFB. Ian, what are your socials before we go? Yep. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, uh, G Gator G. All right. That's the show. Enjoy these games. I'm really excited about this Florida Kentucky game and to see what USF does as well. So we'll see you on Sunday, everybody. Take care.